welcome back. Welcome to. Welcome back to the. Now let's see if I can get this right. Tale the te- the unexpected tales of the tales of the tales of the unexpected, unexpected tales. tales. Um, and we're on to episode two, which was called Mrs. Bixby and the Coat or something. Mrs. Bixby's Fur Coat? Mrs. Bixby's Fur Coat. Is that, is that right? Yep. Um, it, that's what it's about. Roald Dahl introduces this one again. I, 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 it's actually Mrs. Bixby and the Colonel's Coat. Oh. Well, right, here's the thing. Okay, so the, first of all, without any further, further ado, um, I'm Chris. I'm Rob. And how's, how are you? You all right? Yeah, yeah, not, but not bad, not yeah, bad. Good. How are you? All right. Yeah. Do, do anything good this week? Uh, well, I don't know, we're coming up to Christmas, aren't we? Um, I guess we'll be just doing coming up to Christmas things. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just doing coming up to Christmas too, to be yeah. honest. Um, and the one thing that we would usually be doing at this time of year is watching maybe Christmas movies or something like that. But what you and I have been doing is watching Tales of the Mix. What was that? Was that the cat knocking over? I think it was, yeah. Remote control, uh, Xbox control. What you and I have been doing is watching Tales of Unexpected, re-watching, and then we decided we'd do a podcast about it. It being one of the sort of most formative things that I sort of watched in my early teens, really. Yeah, and I was in my... Noughts? <laughs> what, what was that when I was before 10? Uh, singles? Yeah, I'm a singles. Um, and uh, this is Roald Dahl's, remember? Roald Dahl's Tales Unexpected. So, quite rightly, Roald Dahl introduces this episode again, as he did last week. Did you not notice in the beginning of this one that this one, the room was so much darker? Yeah. Like there's no lights. Yeah. Purposeful? Spooky, spooky air? Yeah, I suppose spooky it was air. meant to happen. You, yeah, nobody's short of a lighter here, are they? So certainly not after last week. No, yeah, an American one. <laughs> I noticed again. He's gone on about how long it takes him. Six hundred hours. This book took. To, it's a. He says it's a very short story. Um, I don't know why he's he, because he never followed that up with anything. It's a. It's a very short story, and then said, it, and it just takes a ridiculous time. Oh no, I wrote ridiculously slow. He said, and it. And then Which is a theme from last week, isn't he it? He said that he's going to go on about this, how long it takes, as if like this is the sob story. He's not, <laughs> he's not trying to get on the X Factor or anything like that, is he? <laughs> um, with six, it took him 600 hours to write this. And um, I've got to be honest, um, so I'm, I'm looking at this from the overall picture. First of all, it, it took me a long while to work out what, the, what was actually happening. Yes. I was, I was being given a lot of information. Yeah. And I didn't quite know where this fit in. I knew it was a, it would be explained, but unlike the last one where things were happening, I was like, right, I'm with you, I'm with you. This yeah. one, I was like, I'm going to have to wait to the end to work out why we're doing these things. So the unexpected nature right from the beginning again, rather than... Well, well no, I would say unexplained. Unexplained, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. It starts off, as we say, with Roland. Well, I, I, did, no, I did notice, though, that, uh, again, in his, his intro, he's, he's talking about wrong turnings blind alleys, and said he nearly went crazy writing it. Yeah. So, again, it's very sort of like 
misdirection. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's again setting the, that sort of tone. Yeah. Why? Well, unlike this, unlike last week's, which was, oh God, that's a bit weird and creepy. This yeah. one wasn't, was no. it? This was just. This one's a tale of misdirection. Yeah, exactly. That's what he's saying that's in the exa- intro. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing spooky about this, which is going to be now a theme. There's some, some are going to be, oh, I'd hate that's happened to me. Yeah. But this one's like, oh, what a fix you've got yourself into. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, that's what he's telling us. Yeah. Without us understanding yeah. it right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. So we've got the the fact that it's tales of the unexpected. Roldal setting us up for a twist, twisty turn, a, a misdirection, misdirection and horror. Yeah, misdirection and horror. And we also have the title, Mrs. Bixby and the Colonel's Coat. Right. Right. So we, everything's in play. That we we now have all of our key parts to go with. Um, we'll get into the story then. Um, it starts off with Michael Horden, who plays Cyril. We don't find his name out right at this moment, though, do we? No, we About no. halfway through, we find his name. Yeah. Uh, Cyril is a dentist. Um, again, we don't find that out right at the beginning. There are clues out there. There are clues. He likes to brush his teeth, yeah. and he asks her about her teeth, and so that that felt more creepy than than scene setting. Yeah. Well, I I was wondering when he said that. I was sort of because because he said something like "darling," <laughs> and I thought, you know, is he sort of showing out here? And uh, and then he said he brushed your teeth. So. I, again, I thought, is that his sort of, you know, yeah. is that his, his line? Is that what, is that how he's opening sort of yeah. line for it or not? Later on, of course, as you say, we find out he's a dentist. So yeah. perhaps he's just being... Yeah, that's his thing. Fastidious. Yeah. Well, um, before, before there's a few things that, that kind of like uh, that jump out that don't fit in 2016. One is these kind of hospital pyjamas. Mm. which were kind of synonymous with that sort of, you know, those uh, buttons and and the cr- the cr- uh, creased sort of pyjamas, you know, the ones that would be ironed and starched and stuff like yeah, that. always stripy. Yeah, those. and stripy. Um, he's doing pathetic exercises, which is basically just uh, moving his arms around a bit, and there's nothing else. He's stood up, breathing in a bit. Um, they're sleeping in separate beds. Yeah. You know now that they're a married couple. And isn't that weird? That they're, they're sleeping in separate beds. They, there's nothing going on here. These are the married couple, right? Okay. Yeah. And um, well, I think weird today, but I'm not so sure in those days. Exactly. In, in those days... And for all the people. Exactly. In those days, it was like, right, that's what we expect. So we've not reviewed any of the other fashion in, in Tales Unexpected yet. No. So, but that, this might be a, a theme that goes through it, is that we have to think a bit differently. Yes. And in this, there's nothing suspicious about the setup here. No. Right? So the, for, the other than the odd thing is the creepy... The creepy... Did you brush your teeth? Did you brush your teeth? Yeah. So they get into bed. Oh, yeah, before all this... She's packed a case, and we understand that this is her quarterly trip to see her Aunt Maud, yeah. who's 84 years old. He's like, I don't know why you keep going, you know, is, uh, but, but you know, maybe there's something in the will for you. Yeah. Um, and she's like, no, nah, no, nah, she, she hasn't got, got any money, which becomes important to a yeah, situation later on. She hasn't got, got much money, so now this is just to keep her company. I do think, though, that he seems to make a lot out of not being happy. That she's going. Um, he, he he says every three months. That's four times a year. It's been going on for eight years. There's a suggestion that he's not happy about about that. No, and of course, there's a little twist on here, 
that's that we don't find out that that is absolutely unexpected at this point here. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because he's questioning her about going away. Yeah. And almost as if, do you really need to? Yeah, that's which, right. That's which right. falls in to something that he would probably gain from later on. But we'll go yeah. into that later. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Okay. So um, then it, there's some nice cuts here. So we we go into the next day uh, without a much setup, and he leaves the house. I'll be back. Have a good time, you know, be safe and stuff like this. She watches him leave the house through the, the net window, the net curtain, and then the saxophone comes on. Did you did you catch yeah, the saxophone? Yeah, yeah, well, I, I wrote down Jazz X uh, question mark. I'm saying cause... that's porn sax. <laughs> that's 1970s porn sax. Um, and, ve- oh, she becomes pretty sneaky about it, stuff now. And she's looking glamorous now. Well, you say that, but, she, yes, she's let her hair down. The lipstick comes out. She squirts herself. Now then, where she's going to, she's got to check in at the airport. She's got to get picked up at the airport. This is it's going to. It's about five hours before the guy she's meeting is going to see her. Yeah, that all that makeup and stuff is unnecessary at this stage, really. But for, as far as telling the story, we now know she's up to no good. Yeah, she's off. She and I'll, uh, I'm we, not. I'm we, not giving anything away here. She's off to meet Fowler, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. It looks nobody's gonna. Spend that much sort of effort uh, and look that glam and have the sexy jazz. Sax jazz. Uh, to meet Aunt Maud, I think. Yeah. No, absolutely. So she's in, in for sexy time. Our next cut is then to a uh, hunt. <laughs> a hunt. We cut to a hunt. <laughs> I'm not going to even attempt that one. What are those things called? Are they called hunts? They are called hunts. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I imagine the people who go on it are called hunts. Hunt yeah, men. Men, yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, we see who is the colonel. The co- played by, by Richard Green. Who plays... Robin Hood. In... Robin Hood and his Merry Men on the TV. One of the sort of, again... Iconic things from my childhood. Was that the black and white Robin Hood? Because um, that was Errol Flynn that we know. Yeah, that was the yeah. film. Yeah, but uh, it was it was on every week, and it had a sort of catchy theme tune: Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding through, through the glen. Robin, Robin Hood, Robin Hood. Do you remember Maid Marian? Uh, in that series, not in that series. The the series Maid Marian oh, and, and her Tony Robinson was he in that? Yes. Did yeah. you like it? Yeah, it was very brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, that was the, the twist. Is I think the idea was Tony Robinson. I didn't know this at that stage. Obviously, some sort of historian you can tell by because he did Time Team and stuff like that. Yeah, but he he obviously was into this idea that well, it's a myth. We we don't know that Robin was the hero. So what if Maid Marian was the hero and Robin just took credit yeah. for everything? Which yeah. is what? Ah, uh, that's and that because I just remind myself. That theme tune, Marion. That was for me. I seemed, if I go back in time and I go through kind of memories and stuff, that was on a, like autumn winter time right because I remember coming home from school and it was dark at four o'clock and that would go on the TV yeah uh, I always remember the one about pancake day so maybe it wasn't winter time maybe well right, yeah. it could still be winter time but February is that right February's yeah pancake February. day isn't it no it's um, not isn't it is it because it's around Easter pancake day isn't it pancake day is when you use up your eggs pancake day 
So it's going to be 40 days before Easter. Pancake day. But then Easter moves. I've never right. understood how that no. happened. Well, we know the, the day that Jesus was born, um, and yet unsure about the day he died, as long as it falls on that bank holiday weekend. Yeah. As long as they're like, oh, it's bank holiday weekend, we'll stick it there. There is year. a formula for it, I presume, but I just don't know what it is. Well, it's like that rhyme, isn't it? Um, remember, remember, uh, 30 days past September. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's probably a rhyme that, that goes through. <laughs> just sort of coming back on that, though. Um, well, coming back on Tony Robinson and Treasure, not Treasure, uh, time, time Team. Team, yes. I'm always slightly suspicious when you get a celebrity who then sort of fronts a, a series. Well, not Tony Robinson, surely, because that's why, that's why he was Baldrick, wasn't it? Because he knew what? about history. Or was it because he was a comic actor and he was cast as it? Oh, right. You, maybe that's maybe being Baldrick got him into or history. maybe he just got the opportunity. Robson Green's extreme fishing. You know. He's a fisherman. He is. Is he? He is, but did, yes, he, did he take it up because he was going to do his, his show on extreme fishing? Um, Prunella Scales. Um, Hotel owner. But going up and down the uh, canals with Timothy West, who's who one of them's dead. I don't know. I one of them died recently, but a bit ago. Yeah, uh, I think it might have been her. But Timothy West obviously appears in one of these shows. He though. does appear in one of these shows. It's 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 that uh, group of actors, isn't it? That that would you would expect them to be in? Yeah, at least one. Yeah, and there's there's going to be loads, and and there's obviously the more. Like Michael Horden, my first uh, uh, exposure. Ex- yes, Michael Horden exposed himself to me. <laughs> and how did you do when that? When I was a child, well, I, uh, it wasn't as bad as the Savile incident, but uh, no. Uh, seriously though, uh, I I was going to America, and I'd picked up I want on an audio book from Walkman. And it was a Dracula. It was the Dracula story, oh. and Michael Horden was the narrator. Glitter was glittery Dracula. What? Oh, glittery Gary vampire. Glitter. No, glittery vampire from last week. Oh God, sorry. Uh, I was. I thought you. I thought because we'd mentioned Savile, you were bringing in glitter as well. I'm waiting for DLT to be mentioned. Um, Not that. No, it was the proper Dracula story. Right. Sorry. Go on. Michael Horden narrated it. All right. But going back to what we were saying is he's from that ilk of actors. That you you would find in classic British drama, and this is classic British drama. Is he Paddington Bear narrator? Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Not a classic British drama, but good all the same. But it, yeah, it's got one of those voices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, we see Robin Hood, um, the Colonel. Yes, I'm trying to think of his name, Colonel. He is at a hunt, and he says to one of his huntsmen. Um, I'm, oh, it's that time. I'm off to see Ant-Maud. Or rather, it's insinuated he's off to see Ant-Maud. No, the, he, he mentions he, he mentions Ant-Maud. The guy goes to him, ah, oh, you bachelors, okay? And yeah. So does the guy suspect? He knows, he knows that Ant-Maud is a code name. Right. I put down here code name. Ant-Maud is a code name. Always a risky thing to do, isn't it? To, yeah. For him to tell told his friend that. Well, that's what men do, isn't it, though? Well, um, some... some but she obviously is. That's we now know who the antagonist is. Ant, uh, antagonist. Yeah. Ant Maud. Ant Maud. Ant. Antagonist. antagonist. Nice. Yeah. Um, we see his background. He lives in a massive house, 
I, I'd like to get a, a look at the location on this at some point, but um, I think that is now a hotel mm. uh, in um, near, where would it be? Near, somewhere near Luton. I think I've stayed at that hotel before. Mm. It's not, not near Luton, it's quite a while away, but I remember I was having a meeting in Luton and, and, and I've stayed at a hotel there that looked just like that. It's So I'd like to get a look at the location on that. But Do, do you think, though, that... It's in England, in the that it's supposed to be in England, right? I, it's clearly not, is it? So she, she, we, we've learned later on that she's getting picked up from an airport, yeah. And on the airport sign, it says Aer Lingus, right? Which is Ireland, right? Yeah. Okay. So, but what we don't know is, does he live in Ireland? Did they live in Ireland? But nobody has an Irish accent, no. or except. Well, I'll tell you what, we find out that his chauffeur. He's called Seamus. So there, yeah, you go. So, okay, uh, so, so the inference yeah, is, yeah, that he lives in Ireland. But the, but for the short scene setting, there was no reason to be in Ireland for that. Was no, there? no, okay. So they've just used for me the filming it in England. Yeah, and they just needed a big house that represented the countryside. They just use anything and then just pick her up for an airport. Yeah, that's and yeah. the only way that they establish its island is by having somebody called Seamus. Uh, and, and there's a link, and I'd forgotten that link, but he's called Seamus. That's right, yeah. Um, and yeah, so she's now arrived and getting picked up by the taxi driver. He sees her, in, she, he's in the car, picks her up, and he goes, "Darling," and then they do that 1970s long kiss. Where they detach themselves but don't move or anything. It's just a <laughs> lips. Is that is that more of a something from that time? I think? think so. I mean, the thing is about those kisses from the nineteen seventies was that I think they meant it. You know, this means I love you. But it is wasn't that just a TV snob. kiss, or is it real? Is well, that? I, I mean, don't know. I mean, it, would it just be so that they, you know it could. Get past the senses or something. It like. could have been, but I don't. I don't. I mean, or is I, I that don't know. how people kissed in the seventies? Well, I don't know. What it felt like because the car's driving away and we see them through the back window, right? Okay. So, by the way, if you haven't already guessed, this is the this is the guy that she meets every four months uh, for a weekend, and uh, she's up to no good. Yeah, the dentist's wife is up to no good. Um, this scene where they're driving away from the camera is almost as if the cameraman has said, "Oh no, the director has said." Cameraman stay on them, car drives away, and we'll cut. Just don't move, right? But that scene, that, that kiss just seemed to last a little, just uncomfortably too long. Yeah. It wasn't necessary at all. Then we go back to the dentists. Yeah. And he's uh, drilling and uh, he's planning on working late. He's planning on working yes, late. Yes, he mentions he's working late. Now, I, I at this point thought, the summit's up. Yeah. Right? Okay. However, I couldn't work it out because yeah. I thought I thought maybe it wasn't what we were meant to think, which was he. Oh, he's having an affair too. I thought that he's working late and he's you know something's happening, but yeah. we don't know. But well, yeah, I just thought it was weird to, to mention it when, well, he, when he didn't need to worry about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, we do know that he's a very fastidious, almost obsessional dentist. Uh, yeah, because he does yeah. check whether she's done her teeth. Oh yeah, he checks his uh, Mrs. What's it? What Miss? Mrs. Bixby. No, the assistant, Miss Pulteney. Pulteney. Yeah, so his assistant, uh, they're having a chat. They're, they're having casual chat, aren't they? It's, mm. There's nothing serious about no, it. No. They obviously work together, and he says, brush your teeth. Yeah. 
again, which is like, what? Anyway. Um, so, um, the, Seamus now has picked her up. They've gone back to the place. They're unpacking the car. I noticed that this had a, an interesting number plate as well. Oh, right. Which was 50071F. Um, I didn't do any, because I had a, I didn't really fancy looking at that. I just to guess that that was a maybe an Irish registration, oh, yeah, which was another clue there. Yeah, another yeah. Link. yeah. Um, I mean, we did look at registration marks last week, and just harking back to last week, I just want to say I had some doubt as to whether or not uh, the woman who was in uh, the man from the south, the uh, the wife, had been in high chaparral, and uh, it turns out she hadn't. It's uh, Linda Crystal. She looked very much like her, right. but I just wanted to clear that up. Oh, in case right. people, well, yeah. that's good of you. That's good of you. I've just realised that there's quite a bit of information we've missed out here. What had happened in the meantime is that whilst he's getting ready for this Mrs. Bixby to come over, yeah, he's he's hidden another photograph of a girl or a woman. Okay, I can't work out her age on it. Right. I put it in a drawer. Pulled out a picture of Mrs. Bixby. Okay. Right. Yeah, you so, were making notes at the time. Yeah, so he's a bit he's a bit of a serial adulterer. We think so, yeah. So we yeah, there's nothing unexpected about that part, at least anyway. But uh yeah, they the weekend's finished. We don't see anything of the, any details of the weekend other than it's called the weekend and then it's right Monday morning. Monday, Monday morning, morning, you've got to go. But nicely, you know, yeah. see you see you next time, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. And then gets back to the airport and Seamus. Seamus Whoa, I've got to give you a present. Gets the present. It's a big box. Why would you what would you say that was that the size of the box? I would say it's got to be it's gotta be what, two two and a half feet long, do you reckon? Yeah, I think you could put like at least one wedding cake in there, like the base of a wedding cake. Yeah, I reckon you could put like the base of the wedding cake and then the second tier beside it. Yeah. So a third a third yeah. box would be missing. Yeah. So, yeah. so what we know is it's not a wedding cake, so what else could it be in this cake? So I'm thinking, you know, it's light enough an axe maybe. An axe? Well it could have been an axe. But he's sending her on the plane with an axe. Well he says that well right, uh, it's not an axe. Okay, right. but it could have been the size of an axe. Like a yeah, like a proper tree feather axe. Not not one of those little yeah. ones that you chop yeah. up firewood in at home. That's right, yeah. I'd be much smaller box, yeah. wouldn't it? Like a shoebox you could Absolutely. get that in. One thing I knew it wasn't, and that is because the weight was the bottom part of a stereo. You know, those high fives yeah. which had in the olden days, do you remember these, Rob, where you used to get Tears, yeah, a, uh, a stack, stacking, stacking system. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of different things that didn't weren't necessary, and now are included in one little thing. Tape deck, Tape amplifier, deck. Yeah. turntable, radio tuner. That's yeah. your stack. Yeah, which you could have in any order, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And then, obviously, you'd have your big speakers. Yeah. And do you remember those? As the sound was playing, those little needles that would go. Yeah. There, and you'd yeah. be like, "Oh, that's giving me so much information." That, uh, yeah, yeah just nonsense and sometimes and, and like in some of the some of them you'd also get flashing lights for like a graphic equaliser that's types of oh that's we're talking that's a bit further, yeah. further yeah I had, I had uh, it never seemed to make any difference to me no. I used to move them all up and down yeah it would make a difference well we we had in our house we had like this chest it must have been about three feet long right and it, there was two speakers on one side it was more of a chest it was like a cabinet yeah. A side cabinet. Yeah. And it came to sort of like waist height, maybe lower. And then there was, uh, in the middle bit, a you, you pulled open the top, like a 
desk yeah uh, top thing like and then inside there was the stereo uh, no 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 turntable no, the, the turn table, okay yeah. now we went to the beach one day I caught a bunch of like crabs from the beach I didn't catch them I mean <laughs> I went and went and got some crabs from the beach and I kept them in this bucket and then when I got home I realised I had nowhere to put them I also didn't want them to get like found out by are, are they dead or alive they're alive right. my mum and dad and I put them inside. I didn't know anywhere else to put them, so I put them inside this turntable thing. <laughs> just let these crabs run around. My mate stole a penguin from a zoo once. Really? Yeah, I'm sure he did. I'm sure that's the story I remember. He, yeah, it was. He, he didn't mean to. He was a kid when it happened. How could he not notice? No, he knew that he, what he was doing. He just didn't. He didn't go. Oh, fucking hell! I want a penguin. Right. But he was like, oh, I love a penguin. You know, and like kind of like he took it out of the zoo when he was like a kid. I said, what are you doing? His mum, what are you doing? You've got a penguin. And they had to take him back with the penguin. And go, my son's taken a penguin. Well, a much a much less sort of bizarre zoo story. There's, there's, there are probably two stories here. I think it's, I don't, I don't think it's the same zoo. But the first one, and they're both monkey related. The first one is, I was at a zoo as a child and I was eating a hot dog. And uh, as I was eating it, I... Uh, I thought I found some gristle. So I decided to share it with the monkeys and just sort of took it out and threw it in the monkey's cage. It later turned out it was actually one of my baby teeth that had come out. <laughs> and my, my auntie was there, sort of made me feel a bit guilty by saying that it might grow into the monkey's bottom. <laughs> what? It might grow into it? Yeah, I don't what know. What do you mean grow into it? Well, that's what she said. I was Obviously, I was the age when you lose losing your milk teeth, so this sort of thing wasn't beyond possibility for me. But it can't grow into an arse. <laughs> it wasn't going to become an arse. The monkey would sit on it, and it, would... and it had root into its bottom. How long's the monkey sat? <laughs> and also, like, that, <laughs> this monkey's gone, and uh, all of the space is gone. Chooses the tooth right nestled into his sphincter that's, that grows, that roots in. It would have... Wait, yeah, is that definitely what she said? That's, or is what, that, that's what she said. Are you sure? Yeah, absolutely certain, because I felt really bad about it. And the other monkey-related story, and this, this I'm fairly sure, was at Flamingo Land. Again, I was very small, around about that sort of similar age. And this is, honestly, I swear this is true, we were walking through... Uh, the like monkey house and a chimp type monkey bangs on the window to get our attention yeah. and then started wanking it's pulling itself no. honestly it's pulling itself off really really vigorously and then knocking on the window to make us keep looking <laughs> are you sure that was a monkey <laughs> and not like Savile I, I, <laughs> I swear it's true oh my god <laughs> so, uh, so um, she now has her present. She's got a present. Yeah, she opens yeah. it. She goes to the. She goes to the airport loo, right? And yeah. she opens the present. She's so excited about what it could be. It turns out it's a mink coat. Mink, mink. I did this last time. <laughs> mink coat. Mink is a type of otter. It looks like that. Doesn't yeah, it? like a small rodent thing. Yeah. Ming is the Chinese vase. Well, well, it's, it's a dynasty, isn't it? In fact, yeah. Ming. Well, I've seen what a, uh, a Ming mink looks like. 
And there's a lot of mink in that. There coat. is a lot of mink. Jesus in that coat. Christ, it's yeah. a huge coat. It's a big black coat that goes down to a toes. Yeah. From a neck. Mink, very small, probably the size. Not as big as an otter, I yeah. said. Two, two arms and lots of fur. That's the coat, not the otter. Although that, that'd have four yeah. legs, yeah. wouldn't it? And um, she. She's very pleased with it. Oh, God. And it does on. look nice. I mean, I don't agree with fur. No, I don't think it looks nice. But she's obviously. She knows what nice looks like. And I'll trust mm, Mrs. Bixby on this. <laughs> She puts it on and then she's like hugging it and stuff. Oh, there's a there's a note, right? So she gets the she sees a note. It's from the colonel who says, um, "You'll I've paid for duty, so don't worry about that." It's like, oh, hang on a minute, wait there, is that? No, wait there, no, that's his second, that's his second sentiment, isn't it? Right, no, first of all, the important bit, he says, "This is a parting gift." Yeah, it's over. Yeah, in not so many words, but yeah, it's but really like, quite harsh. Yeah, it's like look, we both agreed that things have to come to an end when they have to come to an end, and I've decided that it's yeah. going to come to an end. Yeah, but what I have done brutal. Is, yeah, but what I have done is paid for duty, so you can get this through customs. Right. Okay. There is that. Is Shit that, sandwich. Uh, well, is it a dual meaning? Duty's paid. Oh, nice. Yeah. I don't she, know because she does echo it. She yeah, says yeah. duty's paid. I wonder how. I wonder how many hours Roald Dahl spent writing that bit. <laughs> Maybe that was a two-hour conversation he had with himself. See, that might be why they have to. If they might, that might be why they have to have it in a different country so that you can get the duties paid. Like oh, that. of course. Yeah, because otherwise they could have just been anywhere. Yeah. Duty paid means they've been somewhere. Yeah. It makes a bit of sense. Yeah, I like that. Okay, duty paid. Nice, good spot that. Um, now then, he then suggests to get over... He says, you know, it's been great, okay, yeah. but look, I know it's not the news you wanted to hear, but um, in order to... We've got to finish it. It's in order to make this sound plausible... Um, just say that Auntie Maud gave the coat to you. Never going to fly because yeah. we already know Auntie Maud. She, she ain't got enough money. Lives in a single room. She's not got yeah. money. Okay, so, so she's in a bit of a dilemma. Yeah, she's got this. She's going through this inner turmoil of what will I tell Cyril and how will I tell him? And you know, anyway, so she gets back into the country. She's in the and she's now not just dealing with the breakup. She's also dealing with you know this. What what am I going to do about this coat? Yeah. Right. As she's in the taxi getting home. She sees a pawn shop, yeah, a pawnbroker's, and she's like, "Taxi man, stop the car! I'm just going to head in here for a second. She goes in, and it's like one of those classic bric-a-brac type shops, isn't it? Where even the owner, like, you could do a series about this owner and what the stories he has to tell. Well, he reminded me a bit of Roald Dahl in the introduction. Yeah, or Brian Kant. Brian Kant. Yeah, you remember from bric-a-brac? He was he he was was in play school, play school, and all those sorts of things. Yeah, Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. What were you saying? So he reminded you of Roald Dahl. It was a very oh. disreputable looking shop. I thought. Well, you know how I'm not saying Roald Dahl's disreputable, no, but, no, no. but he's, he's got a long sort of cardigan on yeah. a bit, and I'm sure Roald has a cardigan. Yeah, absolutely. He was always wearing one in the clip. If it yeah. weren't so dark, but we we also know that Lovecraft, when he was writing characters in his story, the antiquity, antiquity, antiquitarian, uh, antiquitarian, and um, the guys, they like history. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that he would base a lot of those characters on him. Right. Maybe Roald Dahl was doing the same with, you know, the odd character here and there. Yeah. That'll be me. That's yeah. how I would act. Of course, act. It's, it's easy to do. It's easy. He knows yeah. what it's like. Anyway, so he's a bit, he's a bit disgruntled. There's a, there's a weird dialogue between these two. Yeah. Because 
what, what even though it's obviously to script, but it just feels like it's too to script. Like he's just trying to get her out of the shop. She needs to deal with something, and it's a really weird exchange. But ultimately, what happens is um, she tries to sell this coat to the pawn shop for fifty quid. Yeah. The fifty quid is going to get her home. Now then, I don't know how to handle this because I didn't know where this was going. No, I, didn't, no, I didn't understand no. what. So what? What might be worthwhile doing is just explain why she's doing it at this point. Right. Do you think? Yeah. I mean, I would just say at this point. If anybody's sort of having difficulty sort of imagining this scene, uh, I've already told you that he looks a bit like Roald Dahl, so you've got that. He sounds like Alan Carr. He has got an Alan Carr about him, yeah. But, but enough of that. So, yeah. as, as you were saying... So yeah, I, I think it was probably easier just to go, this is why she's doing it. So what she's trying to do is give the coat back, get some cash. She's going to leave the ticket, or rather get a ticket... With no details on it. Yeah, right? and she's, just very, say, she's very, very keen on that. No yeah, details. This is, yeah, this is explicit. I just wanted to say £50. What will also be on the £50 is like a an identifying number against the, the, the coat. Yeah. So why, why she's doing this is that so when she gets back, she can say to Cyril, oh, look, I've got, I found this ticket. And then he won't know who it's for or why. And then it's all amounts to that kind of like, we'll go and pick it up. Yeah. And then she gets her coat back. By accident, yeah. rather than it was given to me. So Which is quite, quite a good idea. It's an excellent idea. She she now wants to remember the colonel, but also she's really into this coat as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I wonder how much of that is it. Like sort of, well, you know, he might have been me off, but I have got yeah. this coat. I'm not losing that. But the, the the at the end of this bit, you sort of start piecing that together. It was just at this point, I was really struggling to understand why, and I think it's because I'm quite naive when it comes to like pawnbrokers and stuff like that I just yeah. don't understand how they work well there weren't many of them about when I was a kid well I don't, I don't I've never been in one but I guess it's just that matter of saying there look after that for me I'll pay it back in a few days I just need the cash right now yeah that's what she's doing but yeah. she's not doing it for cash she's doing it so she can so she can find the item by accident almost yeah. but, so that's what she does she, she gets home um, and uh, she obviously the, her and Cyril are, are having a chat and stuff and then she says Here's, I found this ticket, you know, maybe we, I can go down and pick whatever it is up. And and, be, and before that, though, she's set up for the fact that she's not going to be going and seeing Ah, that's again. it, cause, because she's probably going to die. Yeah, yeah. She's 84 after all, and he's not surprised by this, so it's yeah. no news. It's, it's, it's all fine, it's all, it's all okay. Um, so, she's found this receipt, um, and, and then with no details on it, he eats a bit of celery and explains what how a pawn shop works. Yeah, and and also adds it's no place for a lady to go to. So I will go by and pick this up on my way to work in the morning. Another sort of indication of sort of old-fashioned values yeah. there, isn't it? But also important that he's not with her at the time. Yeah, for something that happens later on. But well, to be honest, he's taking a chance on this, isn't he? That well, and she didn't want him. She didn't want to be with him because if she goes in. Pawnbroker might say, "Oh, you dropped this off yesterday." Yeah. So, so, so it's either she goes in on her own, yeah, and which tells has, a story, which I think is what she was. That's what she was going for. Yeah, yeah. But him being an old sort of fashion type, yeah, and because and he says, "Oh, not only is he saying this is because you're a woman, it's because you're a foreigner." Yeah. Oh, yes. Of course, she's American, and yeah. this is the point where you and I both realised, oh, God, she's, yeah. she's American. Yeah. yeah. Of course, she doesn't have a really strong American no, accent, even though. Played by an American actress. An American actress, and she's playing an American in the show. Yeah, yeah. and she was born in Gross Point, which is 
made famous later on by Ghost Point Blank. Blank. Yeah. Um, so he goes to the pawn shop. We now he, he comes out of the pawn shop with the package. We know it's the right package. We're all good. It's the same. Yeah. Two tier. Um, Box. Two tier box which either has an axe in it or a wedding cake. Two parts of the wedding cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, uh, but no, it's got a coat in it. This Ming mink coat. Mink coat. Yeah. Fucking hell. <laughs> right. Um, we get back to the dentist. No, no, we don't go back to the dentist. So uh, maybe I could maybe could. Go... Right. Okay. So now we are in her house, aren't we? And he, the husband, phones her up. Cyril, yeah. she says. Yeah. And he's explaining, obviously, we don't hear his point of the story, does he? But what, no. what might he be saying to her? Well, he's he's saying to her that uh, he's got something, and she's trying to that he's picked it up, and she's trying to guess what it is. I mean, she obviously knows what it is, but, but she's playing along with the yeah, which she's got to because obviously, otherwise, it's going to explode the entire sort of charade. So she's guessing: is it this? Is it that? Is it the other? And. He's sort of keeping her guessing about what it is as well, interiorly. Yes. Uh, but when you said charade there, and I wrote the word ruse down four times, right. but also I wrote ruse down in the last uh, in the Man from the South about four times as well. So <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of rusing going on with, with Roald Dahl stories. Um, and at this point, now then, because he... He does tell her, by the way, it's something fantastic. Oh, he? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now... I wrote down here, he's got something to hide. Okay? Now then, it's interesting I wrote that because the very next thi- the very next scene, I sort of worked out what was going to happen. Right, okay. right. And it was beautiful. It, the, the, exactly what happened was what I was expecting to happen. But I was counting it down. It was like, she's, this is going to go. It's going to go the way. Um, we, we, get, uh, we go into his office. Yeah. She's... Wondering what it could be, knowing what it could be, gets into his office and he says, look at this. And he gets out what I can only be described as a bit of fur. A mink stole. A stole. Now, what is a stole? It's sort of like a posh person's scarf, isn't it? It's a fur scarf. Yeah, that you'd sort of wear around your shoulders like that. But it it, it does, it's a very thin one, isn't it? It's probably... One mink, isn't it, if you think about it? Oh, maybe, two, be, maybe two. Maybe two joined together. Whatever, yeah. Wh- it's however, not like hundreds of minks. No, 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 not like the coat. But this no. this is now, she sees it. Oh, she's had her eyes closed whilst he's going, ready, you ready, you ready? Yeah. And then he reveals this and you're like, what the fuck's happened to the coat? Now, there may be some people who've watched this going, well, that was the unexpected bit. The pawnbrokers had it off with. That's what I thought. I thought pawnbrokers shafted a bit. But that's not what's And happened. she can't say anything because yeah. obviously she's got to pretend not to know. So, dejected, she walks out of the... Oh, we already know that the dentist is also working late tonight. Eight or nine, nine, nine or ten o'clock, he yeah, says. Yeah, doing inlays. Yeah, another indication that he works late. Yeah. Okay. It's probably fillings he's doing today. <laughs> At least one cavity. <laughs> At least one cavity. He, he, she leaves the room... Dejected as fuck. Yeah, we we catch a sight of Mrs. Pultney. Pultney. Yeah, the 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 assistant, the dental assistant, and she's getting ready to go out for lunch. I think she said, Um, and she's just you know taking her overalls off and just putting on a kind of like yeah scarf and stuff. But then Mrs. Bixby goes to the lift, and then you hear footsteps, (laughs) 
And Mrs. Pulteney is saying, could you hold the lift for me? She gets into the lift, thanks very much. And as Mrs. Bixby looks around, Mrs. Pulteney, Miss Pulteney is wearing the mink coat. Now then, what's happened there, Audrey? Well, for some reason, she's thinking, has she come to work in a mink coat? And then she's That'd be thinking, the first thing. And then she thinks, that no, looks like mine. Hold on, that's mine. And then, she thinks, wait. What's happening here? This would explain... The, unex- the inlays yeah. and the filling. The unexpected, where where the hell's me coat gone? But because she's got it, because Mr. Bixby is having, is having a way. Now then, she might be upset about this. She's lost two people. Can't do anything about it, though. However, the dentist has set himself up because she now knows his secret. Yeah. Which is something, again, when we said last week that the the, the, the next five minutes are really important. Okay, which with the bits that we're left hanging with, it's like, oh fuck, what do you do next? It's actually she now has, she now has this information that wouldn't have any, under any circumstances been revealed to her. Yeah. So she actually wins something. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. So Mrs. Bixby is now turning into Bill Bixby, who turns into the Incredible Hulk, and it's smack down. Nobody expects Mrs. Bixby. <laughs> Okay, so, um, and then the music comes up. Yeah. I mean, I t- uh, one sort of thing I'm not really sure about, right, is obviously he's done a switch. He he knows what his plan is, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's switched, yeah. But why is Mink involved in both? He, he could have said, oh, it's this old watch. Or, yeah, statue. But he had to explain the... Mind you, the box doesn't explain the size of this... And she didn't see the box. Che- guys, check it out. Seriously, check out the size of the box and the scarf that comes out of this supposed box, which doesn't happen, by the way. It's perfect for a coat. It's not perfect for this scarf thing. Stoat. Did yeah. you put a stoat? It's like that, yeah. Yeah. Like a, a mink. A mink stoat. Yeah. Or a fire axe. Uh, yes, he, he, yeah. So, um... Yeah, so this is kind of like that that bit of the beauty of the tales of the expected is that you're you've got a snapshot. You don't know the before, you don't know the ending, and it's up to you. And which is just brilliant, isn't yeah. it? Okay, so you're left with an unexpected twist in the last thirty seconds, and then your mind just goes, "What can we do next with it?" Now it's like extra value. Exactly. It? Yeah. The the person anybody who's been affected by this before or something like this will be like, "Oh no, she's lost." person she's having an affair with she's also now lost her husband you know what's she going to do but also the psychotic amongst us would think i've got some information here the motherfucker yeah she's got to be careful what she does with it though because obviously she can't let on that she knows but what she can do is be on the lookout for something else which yeah. she would then which would have been in it innocuous well, but now she can sort she, of work it out from there she could go to see a solicitor and that, and you know, she could get. I mean, a dentist isn't. You know, he's self-employed as a dentist. He's yeah. going to be earning quite a bit of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so anyway, she could ruin him. But that's. I guess we don't know, do we? We don't, we don't know no, what's going on. Has this? Uh, so we spoke about Michael Horden. We spoke about the actress. Did we speak about Julie her? Harris? Julie Harris. Richard Green. Richard Green and Seamus. Seamus the uh, chauffeur. The chauffeur. Yeah. Which is so. It's the, all of these uh, little set pieces are low cast. Um, and the, the power is in the storytelling. Yeah, we yeah. don't we don't need to worry about anything else. But um, how do you think for episode two? Then was 
I mean, was that strong? I don't think it was as point potent as the first episode. No, well, as, as we said earlier, probably the first episode was chosen as such because it's got a good a good yeah. hook on it. This one is sort of a much sort of uh, well, as Roald sort of set us up for Roald, 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 no, it was Roald, isn't it? Well, he's named after the uh, explorer. Oh, is it Roald? Yeah. Well, named after Amundsen. Right, okay. So, right, so what we have worked out is he might not have hated kids, and his name is Ronald. Ronald. Right, yeah. Okay, okay, I'll go along with that. Okay. But yeah, uh, he did He did sort of tee it up to say it's not scary. It's, it's just. It's a, misdirection. It's just misdirection. So, and no. yeah, and so as far as I'm concerned for episode two, we've had this uh, now a second variation of where an expected tale can go, and that really concludes uh, episode two, I guess, of the, yeah, the tales, yeah. of the unexpected tales, of the of tales, the, of the tales, the tales of the unexpected, unexpected tales, tales, which are our tales. Uh, we're not going to show our tales. Um, <laughs> I think everybody will be happy about that. No, no, not again, at least, anyway. <laughs> Guys, we'll see you next week. What is next week's episode, Rob? Next we're, week's next episode, episode is, is William and Mary. William and Mary, uh, a brief description. This is uh, a w- about a widow who is informed by her doctor that her husband's brain has been kept alive. Oh, Christ. <laughs> that is very unexpected. It's already, right. Okay. Uh, we'll see you next week. Ta-ra. Bye. You gotta go.